0: Hi, everybody. It's my pleasure to be here today to be leading this podcast for the Data on Kubernetes community. And today, we're going to be speaking with Yakub Schultz, who is a software engineer at Red Hat. Welcome.
1: Hi, and thanks for
0: inviting me. Great to have you. So just to get started, can we get a little bit of background information about, about yourself, about how you got into tech, and then later about how you got into uh, Kubernetes?
1: Yeah. So. Uh... I'm now working uh, in Red Hat for uh, something like three years. And most of the time I uh, uh, spent now working on uh, Apache Kafka and Kubernetes, but it all started long time ago already at the high school where I first got to work more with computers and then it pretty much evolved through the university. And then for a long time before I joined Red Hat, I worked in the financial industry Where I worked with uh, messaging as well. Uh, And then for some time, I was also working as a more general solution architect, uh, trying to introduce things like microservices and Kubernetes uh, and things like that. Very, very good. And you said you worked in the financial sector and also
0: that you, I think you believe, I believe you worked in the German Stock Exchange, right?
1: Yes, I worked for the Deutsche Börse, the German Stock Exchange. and uh, yeah, on different projects uh, for running the different markets and uh, doing the clearing and so on. All right. And in terms of your you know, approach
0: to, uh, to Kubernetes, for a lot of people out there, is there a right way to do it? Is there a wrong way to do it? From what I've seen to gather, it's that a lot of it is a bit of trial and error, right? A bit of DIY.
1: Would you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. And that's, to be honest, how I started with it. Uh, So I think the really first steps with Kubernetes, uh, that was probably with Google Container Engine uh, as kind of the first managed service. But then when I started using it a bit more and a bit more, it was uh, really do-it-yourself approach with uh, deploying my own clusters uh, into AWS using the things like Ansible and Terraform. And so on. So it was definitely a lot of do it yourself approach to everything. Perfect. Any resources that you might recommend that were helpful for you during this time? Uh, I think there's this uh, Kubernetes the Hard Way, I think it's called, from Kelsey Hightower. That was definitely something that got me started at that time.
0: Very, very good. Now let's move it over a little bit uh, towards Strimzy, all right? So you start out with Strimzy because you know Red Hat has really strong ties to, to, to Kubernetes, um, and particularly uh, both in terms of Kubernetes, but then also in terms of messaging middleware. How does all of that fit together in Strimsy?
1: So yes, yeah, as, as as a Red Hat, we are obviously involved a lot in the in the Kubernetes community, uh, but. Brennan has a lot of different products and projects, and uh, messaging middleware is among them as well. And uh, uh, we obviously saw that uh, there's a lot of interest around uh, Kafka, and it's getting very popular. So what we kind of thought about is, uh, how can we join this? And obviously, how can we run Kafka on, uh, on Kubernetes? Uh, and that's pretty much how Streamsy got started. Uh, at first, it was really just uh, a bunch of YAML files, really, with the stateful sets to deploy it. But then uh, we quite quickly evolved towards the operator pattern uh, and started using that as kind of a more advanced approach, which allowed us to do uh, a lot more stuff.
0: And speaking of operators, and also maintaining this this subject of you know do it yourself. Uh, a lot of times with operators, you know, in, the installation process might be one thing, but then keeping them running, whats what's been your experience?
1: Yes, yeah, so I think that's really where the operators are really strong, right? Getting things somehow deployed for one or two days, that's uh, even with something like Kafka where you need would need to write a lot of configuration and so on yourself, that's still not that hard. It would probably take you some scripting uh few hours of putting things together but the really hard thing is to keep the things running to make sure you can upgrade to the newer versions uh, you can do rolling updates to roll out configuration changes without any disruptions and without uh, any availability issues and then obviously when you start with things like security you will find out that there you need to renew the certificates for example from time to time and that's really where The operator is the strong pattern because it is still running there, and it can always handle these uh, situations. And uh, when you have a good operator, then all of these things are there, and you don't really need to care about that anymore. Great. At the
0: same time with operators, while they can be very helpful for many different things, could you maybe describe some situations where maybe operators aren't necessarily the answer? So I
1: think. The operators are very popular today and uh, like almost always when you have some state and data and so on, they they can help a lot to get the things and keep the things running. But then you can often see that you have operators for things which are really just a single deployment with some application. And then kind of, there's the thing where you have to think about, is it really worth it? Uh, does it really add value or does it just add more complications because you can't just easily edit the YAML but you need to do some more. So I think uh, it's quite important to find the boundary where the operator still adds the value and uh, where it's just doing the operator for doing the operator
0: yeah i think we find
1: that sometimes that a lot of different uh, aspects
0: and elements can be very very attractive but we've always got to maintain that that business case there um and make sure that it's it's logical and not just creating more work for us with that in mind what are some best practices or maybe a checklist that you might recommend for a couple of things that people should keep in mind before they they start approaching this whole topic of, of running data on kubernetes
1: so it- really starts with the environment where you want to run the Kubernetes cluster. And for example, storage itself is uh, a very important area to figure out because if, if you end up running Kubernetes in some public clouds, then that's probably fairly easy because they all have uh, quite good storage available there. But especially when you move more to running Kubernetes on-premise or in some private clouds and private data centers, this becomes a lot uh, bigger issue. And especially with Kafka, where NFS isn't really a good solution and you really need a block storage, it gets a lot more complicated and we see a lot of users who really want to start and uh, they don't have the right storage and then they need to figure out uh, whether maybe the one of the cloud native storage solutions would work for them. Uh, I think with Kafka, we are still quite lucky because Kafka basically works very nicely even with local disks. So that's often a good alternative there. But uh, yeah, I think the storage, that's something where you should definitely start, because uh, that's often a problem. And then, uh, yeah, with something like Kafka, things like networking and so on can be issue as well. Uh, so yeah, it's really to have a good and stable Kubernetes cluster, which is able to offer these things. And with that in mind, in terms of starting points,
0: if someone, let's say, has uh, is interested in, in, in starting to work with Strimzi is it as simple as just getting it on minikube on their laptop or mm. might there be some other things that they should keep in mind before taking that step
1: yeah definitely so we try to make it as easy as possible to run on all these different minikube kind uh, uh mini shift uh microk and whatever tools there are now for for running kind of the local development clusters it's uh, It's not always easy. It's a bit challenge kind of in developing the operator because on one hand you want to be uh, as friendly and as easy to use as possible for someone who just starts trying things and is running it on Minikube on his laptop. But at the same time, you need to be able to run the actual production clusters and uh, on some huge machines uh, to handle big loads. And you need to be able to have all the different options when some uh, Kafka expert comes and really wants to fine-tune the cluster for their use case so it, it's kind of a bit challenging that on one hand you want to make sure that it runs on the small simple environments but you need to have it ready for the big ones and you want to have it uh, uh, simple and easy to deploy uh, on one hand for someone who's beginner but you need to have the flexibility for the experts it's uh, and while doing that it's quite hard to keep all the custom resources easy to use and read i always kind of try to compare it to some blueprints for, for a house, for example, where on the beginning you want to start with just something simple where you have here is a bedroom, here is a kitchen, here is a living room. But then you start adding the electricity and plumbing and so on. It can quite quickly get, uh, get messy and quite hard to read. And it's, it's a bit similar with the, with the operators and the custom resources.
0: Very good. Another thing that we hear a lot about in our our community and and just in the the Kubernetes world in general is the issue of portability. Is there anything that you would like to, to comment about that particular topic?
1: So when I started working with Kubernetes in general, but also kind of while working on Streamsy, I was a bit afraid about how it will work Across the different environments and uh, and how it will deal with upgrades uh, to the Kubernetes platform itself. But to be honest, I was I'm still now basically surprised how smooth experience this is. If you use the if you use the platforms the right way uh, and if you really use the right abstractions, then I think it's uh, it's quite smooth. Uh, experience and uh, the result is portable both across different kubernetes versions but across the different uh, clouds and like for example i don't think we do any specific testing for the different managed platforms like google container engine amazon eks uh, azure whatever that's called now Uh, we don't do like have some huge battery of tests to run against each of them. But we never had really any problems uh, that there would be something incompatible between them, for example. So I think that works uh, much better than I would actually expect uh, with Kubernetes.
0: And with, with that in mind as well, with, uh, I think a lot of times we, we encounter different debates about does it make sense to move everything into Kubernetes? Is it better to keep something separate? Where do you see things going in the future related to that? Will we see more people trying to centralize everything all in the same space?
1: I think this will probably continue. Uh, and I think that's also... So when, when a lot of people ask me about uh, why does it make sense to run Kafka on Kubernetes, Uh, I have actually two big arguments. Uh, And one of them is the portability between the different infrastructures. Uh, And the other one is that as people run more and more and companies run more and more workloads on Kubernetes, then it actually makes sense for them to run as much as possible there because then all they really need to do is to just know Kubernetes and know how to run stuff on Kubernetes. And they don't need to have a bunch of people who knows how to run Kafka on VMs and then someone else who knows how to run database on bare metal, and then someone else who knows how to run some web app on Kubernetes. You kind of try to centralize the the knowledge. And obviously the stateful workloads for a long time, they were a bit lacking uh, in the features. But I think that's improving uh, now uh, as well. And while there is always still a lot of work to get some stateful application running on Kubernetes, I think the primitives, like the stateful sets, are now sufficiently major for it.
0: OK. But I think we can agree that there's definitely a very important element here, which isn't so technological, which is being patient. You know, Be prepared to be patient. But there's going to be a process of discovery, of, of finding things out and maybe the same steps won't work necessarily for every person depending on their needs as you said also there are lots of different operators out there um, and they all address uh they all address different uh different things so it's really just being clear probably about what you want what's the end goal look like uh what what are we expecting to get out of this now can we go back to uh to strimsy can you tell us a little bit more about the people that are involved in this project how many people are we talking about what are they doing how do you coordinate
1: so i I think we have around uh, ten people working on the core operators regularly. Uh, I think overall we have now almost hundred people who contributed something, but regularly it would be around ten people for the core project. And uh, uh, then there we have some kind of let's say side projects. Right now There's some more people working on uh, on the UI, which would integrate nicely with Streamzy. There's uh, a set of OAuth libraries for OAuth authentication in Kafka and so on. So uh, uh, that's kind of the core group of people. And to be honest, right now, most of them are from uh, Red Hat and uh, IBM. Uh, also, if someone is listening and wants to join the community, then we definitely would be more than welcome every contributors who want to join. And yeah, that, that's exactly what, what I was going to say. I mean, what kind of profile um,
0: would would be adequate for that, or for people saying, you know, if you've done this, this would probably be a good
1: idea. And also, if they want to get involved, uh, where can they find you? So, maybe one of the interesting things about the Streamsy project is that we are operator, but unlike many other operators, we are not written in GoLang, but we are written in Java. So. Uh, yeah, if you want to work with, uh, with Kubernetes and uh, don't necessarily know Golang and don't necessarily want to learn it, but for example, know Java, then yes, Trimsy is definitely one of the operators where you can join and you can start working with or on. And really we have a Trimsy channel because Trimsy is now a sandbox project in the Cloud Native Computing Foundation. We have a channel on the CNCF Slack. Uh, and that's really the best place to come and, uh, and start. Just uh, ask there and uh, we can point anyone to uh, some issues which are kind of uh, easy to start to get more familiar with the code and uh, to get more familiar with the build process. And then uh, uh, we have then, of course, different set of issues which get, can get more and more complex. So yeah, the Slack is probably the best start. We have also a mailing list, uh, but yeah, normally Slack would be the, Slack would be the best place to, to start.
0: That's great. I mean, for you, since you've been in this project now, um, how is, how has been, how's this experience been maybe compared to other projects that you've worked on? And, and what do you think will be the next steps towards the future?
1: So uh, yeah, I think we definitely try to keep the project as open as possible. Uh, We obviously want to also major within the CNCF hierarchy. And then uh, so I definitely think that uh, Streams is production ready, and there's a lot of uh, users using it in production. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a done thing, right? So there's still a lot of things and a lot of features which can, uh, which can improve. And as I said, so for example, we have a bunch of people now working more on uh, UI. Uh, uh, but some from some of the things we want to work on, the feature in the op- future in the operators is also, uh, for example, improvements around the upgrades. Uh, Making it much easier to uh, use all the different uh, Kafka Connect connectors. Uh, so just to clarify, Streams it doesn't support Kafka brokers themselves, but it supports all the different components. And uh, uh, like adding all the different connectors to the Kafka Connect framework, that's something what we want to make much easier because right now. Users have to write some Docker file and uh, and build a new Docker image. So that's some of the things uh, where we definitely want to work and where we definitely want to add more features and improve uh, uh, the project. So there's still a lot of work, which can be done, a lot of features, which can be improved.
0: Good. So there's definitely more
1: people who could get involved
0: and have an impact. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, uh, I think it's quite clear, like you said, you got the mailing list, but probably the easiest way, the quickest way is just jump in that in, in the Slack, uh, they can contact you or, or one of the other people working on the project. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we finish about your experience working with with Kubernetes, working with, with operators, anything else that people should check out or keep in mind as they get more and more into the scene?
1: No, I think it's really Great experience and uh, there's a lot of interesting work uh, also because everything is still moving forward. It's not like uh, it's all done work, which you just do some bug fixing. So, and that basically applies both for Kafka as well as for Kubernetes, right? Every new version brings a lot of uh, new exciting feature and new possibilities how to improve things. So I think that's that's the great thing around working on something like uh, uh, Kafka and Kubernetes together, basically.
0: Very, very good. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jakub Scholz, software engineer at Red Hat, working on the Strimzy project. And uh, just before we go, I would like to add a special personal touch to this, which is that it's been an absolute pleasure talking to someone who's located in Prague and is working with Kafka. If for anybody out there who hasn't read any books by Franz Kafka, highly recommendable and a perfect excuse to visit Prague as soon as we can possibly travel. Thank you very, very much for all your time, Yaku. Thanks. All right, we'll be in touch, take care.